Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, as well as baseball right around the corner. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. They're the greatest, they're the best NBA props. NHL games been getting into a little shell. It's shark season, baby. They're not very good, but I still, I like watching a little puck. I like betting a little puck. It's a little bit better than uh, games for me. Basketball personally, but I like the bets in basketball. There are so many options to bet right now. Betonline.ag is the best. We even cover awards, TV shows, reality TV, 90 Day Fiance, whatever. Head to the website to use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. What's he listening to? Same song over and over. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. Uh, uh. We got Bow Wow in the house. My man Lil Zane. Uh, Lil Wayne. Sammy Saint took me. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Podcast with your hosts, Alan Styles and Orlando Razo. If you're listening to us, you know where to find us, everywhere you find great podcasts. While you're there, rate us. Give us five stars if you like us. If you don't like us, don't give us five stars, but at least let us know why. How you doing, Orlando? Very excited for the show today. We got a special guest. We're going to do some chatting about uh, what went down with the Dodgers and Trevor Bauer. But how are you feeling, man? Let, let, I'm ready to get this thing going. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling great. Uh, we had we just had an excellent interview. That was an awesome mm-hmm. interview uh, with William Bohr, reporter for MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. Um, that was I was pleasantly surprised. I love talking prospects. Um, and, and I love, you know, how, it, how they go into the rankings and the algorithms. We get into all of it. We get into some Giants talk, some Mariners talk, just some individual prospect talk and, and how he um, came about to get his position. So it's a great interview. I'm excited for you guys to check it out. We dropped our episode. I'm, I'm not fucking kidding. Like two minutes before or after. I can't figure out when it was. But I tweeted out the episode and then Bauer signed with the Dodgers on Friday. Yeah. It's just a classic media biz. You're going to get bitch slapped in this game. You're going to get bitch you know, slapped you, sometimes. You got to, you got to just um, dust yourself off as these things happen. But it's, it's wild, man. I, I believe it was two years he signed, two years, 40 million or something like that. It's, he's kind of doing the, not very it's not similar but it kind of is he's doing the kevin durant thing let's sign one year two year deals player options all all of that good stuff or not good if but the thing is that's how, that it's completely different because that's how he is and if you want to be a you know a, a hired gun and just kind of lo- love it and live it and we know the content that they produce it's bad for his brand to stay anywhere too long Going to L.A. is great, but, you know, he's probably still feeling he's young enough in his career. Everywhere he goes is going to create buzz as long as he produces. So being in Cincinnati, now he has a little bit more control because he did produce. Being in Cincinnati, that ain't going to work. And it's even impressive what he's been able to do because of the type of personality he, he is and has to get people to even care about him in Cincinnati. When's the last time that has happened? A long time. So now you put him in L.A., He's going to eat this up. I don't know that he cares so much about his brand. If he, if they go out and repeat and he gets his first ring, who knows? If, I, I believe the second year is optional. I, I, I'd, I'd have to double check, but who knows? Even if there are two years, I, I, I would not be surprised if he leaves and goes to the Padres. Why not? Why not? I mean, this is one of a kind, what he's doing as far as major league baseball and how he is just, molding and manipulating everything exactly how he wants it and as long as he produces he's going to be able to continue to do that right and it's i mean we we called it what was it 
But as soon as they got Darvish and Snell, we called it. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised now if, if Bauer just goes to the Dodgers to create more of the buzz of the rivalry. That's what this guy's about. He loves creating buzz. He loves to get the people talking. He loves people talking about baseball, whether it's about him or not. It's still about the sport. You're still generating some like ESPN did, which is just so fucking ESPN, just taking something and just ruining it and pissing all over it. They did like a a graphic with the decision of LeBron and then Bauer. Um, And it was like when he made his announcement, it's like, God damn it. You guys just ruined it. Um, But I'm all for it. Like, I don't, I think whenever someone, as long as we're not talking about, um, which we will get into arbitration and, and those things that make the game bad, as long as we're talking about buzz of a player that's going to a team, especially the Dodgers, and now they have a rivalry with the Padres and these two freaking loaded ass teams are about to go at it this year. Like that is good for the game. So whether you want to say, you know, whatever you want to say is attention seeking, whatever baseball needs attention seeking right now. Yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. And baseball needs attention. Right. And it was the big deal in the baseball space, but he's still not with everything he's done. And that's how tough it is for baseball players right now with everything he's done because he played the teams he's played on the last being the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, it was trending in the baseball world, but nothing like it would be for some of these, you know, we're not talking and I know they're apples and oranges, but we're not talking a, a Deshaun Watson trade or even have the buzz that the Matthew Stafford trade got. And I would argue it's a way bigger move than Matthew Stafford, but we know NFL is king and, and NBA is just the content king as it comes to people being moved around. Social but media now, and like interactions. Yeah, but now you do a year, two years in LA and this next, he has set himself up for this next decision. He might be that face. You know, Tim Lincecum, during his time, they were both very, um, they were both very exciting, but in different ways. But Tim Lincecum, he was a big name. He transcended just baseball fans. In my opinion, Trevor Bauer hasn't done that yet. Putting yourself in LA with the star power you already have with Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw. They still got, oh yeah, by the way, we still got David Price, you know, like in the closet. Yeah, it's four starter, normal four starter. Yeah, all these things they have, you go out, you win two more in a row. Now, when it's time for him to leave, I'm willing to bet, because Clayton Kershaw has, uh, you know, uh, transcended that because he's been on the Dodgers his whole career. He will be that person and he won't be, oh no, if you like baseball, like you know who Trevor Bauer is, it'll be like, no, if you like sports, you've at least you you know who Trevor Bauer is. And I don't think he's there yet. And he will be when he leaves the Dodgers. If if he leaves the Dodgers. Being on the Dodgers. Well, that's what he expressed. I believe he I'm not sure if it was an exact quote, but he said he wanted to be the global face of baseball. Like that was his his whole thing. He wants to, and whether that works out for him or not, man, I would I would love for more players to to want that. And obviously I want you to keep a balance of you know, when you step in between the lines, compete your ass off and win the fucking game. But Mm -hmm. I would like for, you know, you to market yourself, to brand yourself. That's what athletes do now. Okay. If you're still against that whole thing, grow the fuck up. Okay. Athletes do that everywhere now. So I, I really like that. That's his objective because in the end, his whole end goal, right. He's open about, he's honest. At least you're getting some real, answers you're not getting some cookie cutter shit and when that's someone's goal is like his whole end goal is to just grow the game he just want to grow the game and you're absolutely right la not the angels there are people that legitimately thought that he was going to go to the angels no just just no just absolutely no um he's with la i i love it i absolutely love what we're going to see this year um on the west coast yeah, and everything is so is going to be so magnified. Look, he was in the World Series. Walker Bueller, I'm sure, has been wearing those pants like that forever. But nobody cared until he was in the World Series. You're on the big stage, and, and you know he's on the Dodgers as well. So it's always kind of a thing. Doing the McGregor walk after strikeouts is one thing to do it in Cincinnati, right? Yes, you, you'll get Scott Van Pelt saying a little a joke about it. You do the McGregor walk after strikeouts on the Dodgers – 
it's gonna it might lead like ESPN Sports Center. It might lead Sports Center, and this mm. is what we're talking about. This is what he wants. This is what he wants. You you can have all the swag you want in Cincinnati, and I'm sure Cincinnati's a great city. But you have that same type of approach in LA. You're gonna run it. You're gonna run it, and. It's going to be interesting. We know LeBron loves to just show up. He's got like four different teams wherever he is. He was a, he's, I believe he's a Yankee fan. You saw him when he was with the, with the, um, the Cavs, how he was all over the Indians or, or sorry, they the Cleveland baseball team. And he, if, if everything is good to go and people can go to these games, best believe LeBron will be in a Dodger Jersey, you know, and he's going to love that swagger. I can guarantee it that Mookie, it's it's exactly what Trevor Bauer was trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And he's from the area, too. So you right, don't UCLA have guy. to worry about him getting amongst the, the whole L.A. lifestyle, maybe dating right. a Jenner. Like, you don't got to no. worry about that with him. This guy, he does right. love baseball and he is a scientist. Like, he legitimately is a baseball scientist. So he's going to work hard. He's going to put in the work necessary to achieve individual and he wants team success that was his main criteria so overall i love the move um i really got nothing else on that other than man we we got spring training coming up man we got some good guests coming on Mm -hmm. um we're ramping up it's like it's almost like pitchers and catchers podcasters are reporting now for the season like we we are getting in the mindset of Mm -hmm. of ramping up getting getting our voices tuned up um, getting our brains right. ready. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, man. I don't have anything else, but yeah, enjoy the interview guys. It's, it's a good one. It really gets into the nooks and crannies. And like I say, on the interview, we've never really had anybody specifically like this on the show before we keep trying to expand and give you every aspect of the game, which is always our goal. So we'll talk to you next week. By the way, Walker Bueller, two years, eight mil in arbitration for one of the best pitchers in the game abolish arbitration enjoy the interview with will bohr he was awesome see ya all right will bohr reporter producer for mlb and mlb pipeline we go way back we go back to elementary school you know and it's nice to see people make it in the space and, and you know really going through the 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 progress and getting to these different parts of their career and being able to say, Hey, I knew them back when, or I knew them, you know, back in the day. So Will, thanks for joining us and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Uh, also wanted to say, I listened to last week's episode. So happy belated birthday to Orlando and basically his entire family. Wow. There you that go. Is, wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. There I was go. just going to say before, now that we're just dishing out compliments, the fact you and Alan went to, elementary school together that's like when they say you know two legends were on the same basketball team like, growing uh, up like how they always know. say kershaw and stafford every single right. time yep yep exactly <laughs> so you time. you two are the kershaw stafford or like the oakland soldiers of, of media mm-hmm. business, yes so so yeah that was great great nostalgia L- let's get down to it will I- i'll kick this off MLB pipeline, the top 100 prospect list. Talk to me like I'm, you know, I have no clue what's going on or I have no clue what, what about baseball. Cause some of it is just me actually asking. And I'm curious the level of where you put prospects and when they finally leave your list, because for instance, Joey Bart is still on the list he played a decent amount of time in the big leagues. So if somebody were looking and you can see, you know, cause I was on it earlier today and you can see what level they've played at. What is like the line that you put to say, okay, this guy is no longer a prospect. He he's, he's, he's in there. You know, we're going to see what he's going to be. He's in there. Where, where, when do you guys say they're, they're not a prospect anymore? Okay, so we use the guidelines that MLB has set up for rookie eligibility. So as long as a player still enters the year eligible for, you know, the rookie of the year award or whatever, they're still a prospect. Uh, Those guidelines for our purposes are 130 at bats and 50 innings pitched. Um, Because, yeah, you mentioned, Bart, there's a few players on that list who have played before. The one that we got a lot of flack for, like when we tweeted the, the list out, was Randy Rosarina, just because 
obviously he did everything on the big stage and everyone's like, we just saw him in the world series. What do you mean? He's still a prospect, but well, one postseason at bats and postseason innings don't count. But two, if you just go to his regular season stuff, he didn't meet that 130 at bat threshold. So he still qualifies for the list. It's one of those things that we have to draw the line somewhere. And it's always going to look weird when stats overlap, like every, every year there's going to be September call-ups and, so every year at the beginning of the next year, there's going to be someone who played in the big leagues and maybe they had a big right. September or whatever, and they don't graduate. Yeah. So and it was just, yeah, I was going to say no one has had the type of, see, you, it has never been an issue before, but because of what Randy and Rosarena did, it was like, whoa, this guy cannot be a prospect, but the same rules apply. So, yeah, that was actually, I was not one of those people that was arguing, like, how's this guy a prospect? I was the guy that was like, how do you rank him number nine? And as uh, I believe he's number nine in the outfield uh, prospects. So that was what I was wondering, like, how did he, and I'm not trying to be a dick or anything, but like, how was he number nine after we saw what we saw in the post? He's essentially the best player in the postseason not really playing in the big leagues at all. How did that go into, uh, was there anyone like fighting in the room? Like, Hey, this guy just needs to be one. How did that whole decision? And I guess you can, you know, go into that with, with any of the rankings, how is that collaborated? How do you guys collaborate and form these rankings? Well, when you're talking about Randy, yes, he had the historic postseason, and everyone's, everyone's watching the postseason, you know, every game's on national television, whatever, but it's the postseason's what, I don't know, 15, 20 games. Basically it comes down to sample size. If he had a really, a really hot June, you wouldn't necessarily think twice about us ranking him where he was. If, if you know, the rest of his season kind of leveled out and played how it was supposed to. So part of it, Part of it is age. He's 25. You know, there's teenagers on this list. There's, you know, the bulk of them are probably 20 to 22. Uh, so, you know, just length of career factors into it. And then part of it, sample size. Maybe he does go out and rake all 2021. And heck, then we were wrong. It happens. Um, we have a story on our website right now about some of our biggest misses. And it, it happens. Maybe we are wrong. But what, what really goes into that is, like I said, age and then sample size. He only did it for however many games he did in the playoffs and plus, you know, his regular season, another however many games that was. It's not, he didn't do it over 162 games. That's not to say he can't. Uh, he certainly can, but we want to see that. And and how do you guys go about this process of, of ranking the top 100 prospects? Because number one, it's ridiculously hard. Like how many minor leaguers we got in this bitch so how do you guys go about it is there just a zoom meeting you guys are just talking shop throwing throwing flies at the wall hey this guy should be ranked here this guy should be ranked here how many people are involved in this process because i'm fascinated how these right. these rankings like, is there an algorithm or something? that's what i'm and saying it, yeah, yeah does mlb right. have this secret sauce that you guys use where it's like clear is a the curve. <laughs> there is a very very big google doc but um uh, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, Mike Rosemont do the bulk of it. Um, what it comes down to is putting together individual lists of our guests, our top 115 to 130, depending on, I guess, where you want to cut it off. Looking at, looking at all those lists and being like, okay, where are we close? Um, usually, you know, the top 20 or something, probably a lot of the same names, but maybe someone's 16, someone's, someone's 19, whatever. Uh, so iron all those out, come down to a top 115, send that out to a bunch of scouts, a bunch of scouting directors, just as many people as possible, get their feedback on who should go up, who should go down on all of their lists. And then when all that feedback's compiled, start blending all that into one list and, and then go from there. And then, uh, and then once we, you mentioned the top outfielders earlier, once we get that top 100, obviously we release the top positions first. Cause if we did it the other way, we'd kind of give everything away. But once we come up with the top 100, then we'll just go down the list and be like, okay, here's the top 10 pitchers. Here's the top 10 shortstops, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's a pretty long, 
it's a pretty long process, but uh, I think it's worth it in the end. It's something that obviously fans really like. Um, it gets a lot of traffic throughout the year. And then it helps us for the even more exhausting process of uh, every team's top 30. And that's obviously a list of, nice little list of 900 players. Yeah. 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 I mean, get the Excel docs ready and, and raring to go. Will, thanks for being with us. Of course, as we, you know, get through this interview, I wanted to take a step back and I got in trouble by um, one of my buddies who listened to the show. So the last person you had on the show, you should have talked about where they were, where they were from or get kind of like their background first. And I said, okay, okay, I got it. Um, But I kind of want to twist it in a way because we've had a lot of people on this show in the baseball world from scouts to players to announcers, everybody to, to writers as well, but never somebody like you who is focused on the future of baseball as far as the pipeline is concerned. So I want to ask, when you decided that you wanted to be in the baseball world, was that something that you always were interested in? Was it just like a situation where I'm, I'm looking for an opening and I'm going to grow in this situation? Because I think a lot of people that do listen to this show um, might want to, you know, think about getting into things in different ways. A lot of people are former players that listen. So how did you get into it? How do you um, coordinate with scouts? That was going to be my next question about how you work with scouts. Just give us a, a lay of the land as far as how you got to where you are. We see ASU, ASU alumni. We know you guys get it done. You're all over the place. But how did you kind of get moving in this direction? And what does your day-to-day look like as far as like you versus a scout and those differences? I know that's a loaded question. I keep dropping my phone. I know it's a loaded question, but um, just, just give us it piece by piece. Yeah, I think as far as getting into it, what I always tell people when I either meet them or get asked on shows or emails or something is just trying to get your foot in the door. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as far as working with prospects and all that, I, I interned my final year ASU with MLB.com and then they hired me after. And I just kind of did a whole bunch of everything. And the, uh, the Arizona Fall League is a league out here that is after the season and a lot of the top prospects go to it. It's like a 30 to 45 game season. Uh, there's just six teams. So each team will have like, you know, four Giants prospects, four A's prospects, whatever. And it's combined like that way. And um, since I was living out in Phoenix, my bosses at MLB are like, hey, we need someone to cover some Arizona Fall League games, would you be interested? And I said, sure. I don't really know what it is. I've never heard of this league, never been to a game, but, well, frankly, but you're my boss, you're telling me to do it. So (laughs) we know I did it. Yeah, exactly. So I did it, went to a couple games, started covering it, and I was like, hey, this is fun and make a name for ourselves. This is kind of cool. As a journalist and reporter, it was really cool to talk to these players who, A, don't have egos yet, and B, I can tell the story before someone else has, um, you know, some, some of these players that are stars, there's a lot of stuff's been written. Um, you know, Steph Curry's a family man. His wife does a lot of cooking stuff. They give a lot back to the community, all that's done. Right. So getting, getting to talk to these guys right away, I was like, Oh, this is cool. No one knows that this guy has a charity that this guy donates all the time to breast cancer or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really just started with my boss saying, Hey, do you want to do this? We need someone to cover this game next Wednesday. And I did it. And then kept going back and was like, okay, this is cool. And then eventually they switched me from general baseball reporter to be like, okay, you're full time on the pipeline desk. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Hmm. That's, that's great. Who was, what year was that? fall league and and who was in it that you covered because i love the fall league that's that's something i love watching it every every year let's see i interned 13 it was probably the 14 yes that's 14 um who was in it it's almost like take your pick because every year there are like 
you know, it's the top prospects in baseball. So everyone is legit that's in it. So it's like really take your pick every year, you know? Yeah. I think I can't remember who was in it that year, but like some of the players that I've seen, you know, before they went big, like Glaver Torres, Acuna, uh, Vlad Jr. Obviously he was well known as a prospect, but saw him before he made his major league debut. Like you see, you see big time names in this league. It's not, just some minor league minor league with a bunch of like random guys. Joey yeah. Bart was in it last year. Um, now the Orlando Rosas are not going yeah, to, yeah. to the Arizona yeah. Orlando ball. went what sixteenth round, right? Orlando. Yes, I did. Correct. Did you cover me? They they don't they don't get the call. Did you cover me? <laughs> no, did not. Okay, all right. So what is this like the Cape Cod League of uh, minors? Yeah, it's a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like after that. the season, so it's yeah late September, early October because Arizona's got great weather and just time to get get a little extra reps and help propel some people to uh, to the next season. Now, yeah. studying these systems and and your uh, th- this is your job. You're studying the ins and outs of all these organizations and how they run things, how they develop players. You notice trends. You see a lot of things that. Um, could be good, could be bad. What's something that you've noticed that the good teams do in terms of their pipeline, as opposed to what the terrible organizations do? I think, uh, I think they're flexible. They're not necessarily married to a guy being a position because he has a certain body type or because that's what he played before. Um, just, they don't always draft the same type of guys. You know, there's some organizations that are like, we're really going to focus on college guys or we don't like drafting pitchers or whatever it may be. Um, everyone drafts pitchers, but you know what I mean? I think <laughs> the teams that can adapt, <laughs> the teams that can adapt and are like, okay, we know you were a third baseman, but let's, let's see if you can play left field. Um, or at least, or at least we'll get you innings in left field because someday down the line, we're going to do a double switch or something like, yes, you're going to be a third baseman, but what the hell every Tuesday, you're going to play left field because, uh, because it can't hurt. Um, so I think teams are just flexible with, with positions, with moving people up and down in the order and just trying what seems like random stuff, but it's, you know, not random. Yeah. Because, I mean, and it's funny that you say that this podcast, we are the the captains of positionless baseball. We, we love to, you know, spread it out to the, the mountaintops, to shout it out on the rooftops, positionless baseball. And it seems like these better organizations that you speak of, they're looking at these guys as players, not as a position. And I think... That's what this whole thing is coming to. We've said it so many times. If you look at Dodgers, I mean, Cody Bellinger, the thing about, I mean, sure, Cody Bellinger's a big dude. So he has the ability to play first base. But who would have thought growing up that somebody lefty-lefty could be as versatile as Cody Bellinger? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was unheard of. I mean, we you always had the big guy that you throw in right field, but you we could also put it first base. You always had that big lefty. But what he's able to do as a lefty is – really unheard of and it just and if he's able to do that as a left-handed player you know the sky's the limit with these right-handed players that you can some of them you literally can put anywhere so I don't understand why anybody would want to be married to having somebody at a certain position because so many things can change and you got to get bats in the lineup and you, you know you never know especially when you're drafting these kids so young sure you played the infield until you know throughout high school but this is a different game <laughs> this is a different game and he, he's got another hopefully decade to play. He can learn a different position. So it, it, it definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. I think of someone last year, like the Padres used Jake Cronenworth all over the diamond and it helps. Shout out right. Michigan. Hey, it helps that player. Yeah, it helps that player. It helps. You can give pretty much anyone a day off. Uh, Cause you know, you can put him at third, second, right, whatever. So, so it really helps your whole lineup. And it helps a player like that, who's not necessarily a star, winds up playing every day because he's because he can do everything. Right. Yeah. 
That's really true. That's really true. So I wanted to take a different approach to um, the the top prospect list and, and all these things because we've had conversations in these last few episodes about how it really is tough to deal with expectations and things like that. And we understand that this is a completely different situation than the NBA or even the NFL, as in you don't produce in a year or two years, you're a bust because you're not even in the major leagues yet at that point. My question is, how do you think these, what you put out, like the prospect, but any type of prospect list, whether it's through MLB or any of the other outlets that put out this type of information, especially in this age of social media, how do you think that affects the players and also the organizations based on what those expectations should be? I guess what I'm saying is if a guy wasn't on the top 100 list, he is not going in. And even if he was like a decently high draft pick, he's not going to have, you know, I guess that weight on him to perform that some of these guys, let's say in the top 10 do have. So how do you think that affects them? How do you think organizations should deal with that? Because obviously it's dope to be on the list, but with great power comes great responsibility. They're, they're not, there's a reason, you know, the, 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 you're in that league or, or, you know, you went high and I guess a lot of them probably are high picks to begin with. So they already have expectations, but this adds to it because now, Hey, we're, we got you on the field here. So um, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think, I think the social media part of it's interesting because then you've got, you've got fans either tweeting at the guy or tweeting just about them and hyping up from that angle. As far as organizational pressure or pressure from the player, I don't know if that's so much a thing because mm-hmm. like we got Spencer Torkelson that I'm only picking last year's draft number three on our list. Right. He doesn't have pressure because he's number three on our list. He has his pressure because the Tigers gave him an $8 million check to sign. Exactly. Um, exactly. Far down the list. Yeah. Like he'd be in worse yeah. off if he actually wasn't on the list. Then he'd have bigger problems. Yeah, exactly. But I think, like people know, you know, if you're a first rounder, what you're supposed to do. If you're on this list because you have, you have absolutely balled out the past two years, but you were a 15th round pick. Great. You've probably already exceeded expectations. Right. You're playing with um, house money. Yeah, exactly. So if you get to the majors, obviously you want to do well. That's everyone's goal. But like realistically, where the organization maybe saw you, what their signing bonus tells you about how they saw you, you probably are playing with house money. But I do, I do think this list could add pressure from the fan base because that example I was saying of a guy that was like drafted low, who balls out in the minors and he gets on our list, fans aren't thinking of that other stuff. They're saying he's on the list, the same list as this other person why isn't he an all-star right with him? And right, it's like, well, right. he wasn't, he wasn't really supposed to be. Um, getting to the majors is really hard, period. Like to get in at bat, performing yes. and, you know, becoming an everyday player Honestly, on top of that, like it's exponentially harder. So sometimes, yeah, I do think like putting someone on a list from the fan point, from the fans point of view, adds some pressure, but I don't think it, I don't think it adds anything to the player or from the organization because I think both those parties are kind of realistic about where they're coming from. Yeah. I'm yeah. Al- I'm always on the player's side. I'll say that, but I'm going to kind of flip it around here. Is there added pressure on you because you're the one making the list and then the fans are all reading this and then they're like, why isn't, you know, Timmy Tom on the list. And then now they're yelling at you. And now we just got a Twitter fight, just a good old fashioned Twitter beef. Have you experienced that? And do you guys talk about it? What's, what's the deal with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it comes with the territory and we're not going to hit the new top 100. Guess what? They're not all going to be all-stars. But like, I mean, yeah, obviously we want to be right. Um, we're going to be wrong on some of them, and fans are going to let us know that we're wrong on some of them. Um, I mean, as soon as the list comes out, it's a lot of why is so-and-so ranked so low? Why is so-and-so ranked so high? Why isn't someone on the list? 
and it's funny because like a lot of the times on some stuff fans are probably right some stuff fans are pretty knowledgeable um but there's other times when you ask about someone and it's like he's a 16 year old from the Dominican who hasn't played yet how do you know like stop we talked about your scouts I think you're giving fans a lot of credit right now I really there's some that I interact with on Twitter who like I've been to I've seen them at minor league parks and it's like okay I know you've seen so-and-so but also you probably only go to games at Sacramento so yeah you've seen a lot of Giants prospects you think they're good you're asking why he's below this other person have you you know been to so-and-so in Cedar Rapids like no you just know this one guy's good and he is good, but you don't have the full context. Uh, so I think that's some of the hardest part. Yeah, I think that's some of the hardest part on like the Twitter critiques. You know, when you get in arguments about major league players on Twitter, like we all do, everyone has watched Trevor Bauer play and Jacob DeGrom, and we can argue about who's better or whatever. You've all seen them. Mm-hmm. You'll start arguing about prospects, and it's like, you just opened another tab 10 seconds ago to start your argument. Right. right. Yeah. That's what the fans do, though. Um, that's re- Speaking of that, I do have a specific question uh, about a specific team because they have – it's close to my heart. Um, two guys in the top five, right? Two, Yeah, two guys in the top five. The Mariners will Talking make the playoffs Seattle. blank. The Mariners will make the playoffs blank because we're big Mariners podcast here. We've had a lot of Mariners guys on. Don't you have to say um, the Mariners will make the podcast or will make the playoffs if? No, we'll make like when. He's giving me a year, I think. Yeah, a ah, year. No, no, no. Ah. If, if, just pitch. Pitch and play defense. You'll be in contention. But, I mean, the two other guys are hitters. The Mariners will make the playoffs blank because it's been a while. It's been a really, really, really long while. 20 i'm debate i guess it depends on if we get in the next year's cba expanded playoffs um because that extra slot could obviously get anything but i'm getting i'm betting between 2022 and 2023 um depending on i guess i guess that extra wild card because i don't think i don't think we get uh kalanick and rodriguez like on the opening day roster uh this year um probably should for uh, yeah, probably at least Jared, um, Julio, probably a little more time, but I think we'd get them up at some point in the year. So we get them, you know, reps in the second half of the year and then they can enter 2022, like really knowing what major league life is about, major league pitchers, whatever, uh, how they're throwing. You get George Kirby and you get some of the other young guys. Logan I, think, Gilbert I think the Mariners are really exciting. Logan yeah. Gilbert. Yeah. Cause they've if got yeah, want- two of the top five six top 100 like that's definitely something to be excited about but prospects don't turn a team into a playoff team the minute they're called up right if you want like a little anecdote about kelnick uh one time i was in the weight room in spring training and he he put up like 415 pounds on like single leg squat and i went and smacked his ass and it was like i hurt my hand i hurt my hand so you want some projectability there it is. The, I mean, the guy's just got go. rock glutes. Well, he'll he'll put it. that in the Google <laughs> Doc. Report. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely put that in Put it in, in the there. Google Doc. Yeah, anecdote <laughs> from inside source. So, I guess, what is, how much or how intertwined are you with scouts? Like, when you're going through your day-to-day operations are, would you say that you are a extension of the scouts in a way, like they give you the information and you formulate it or um, do you do, or do you guys kind of work on your independently of the scouts, but also coordinate with them? How often do you work with them and how closely do you work with them? Uh, it really, it really depends on the scout. I talk mm-hmm. to at least a scout probably every day maybe every other day, but obviously some I have closer relations with others. Um, Frankly, as someone who's 30, some of the younger scouts just get along with better, or I, Mm -hmm. I know they keep weird hours like me, so I can text them at whatever time, you know, some of the older scouts, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to text a 60 year old at like 11 at night. Um, <laughs> someone who's <laughs> someone who's 25 to 35. I'm like, yeah, sure. You're probably not doing anything. Um, right. So part of it, so part of it's just a relationship, but yeah, you, you do talk to them a lot. You figure what they say. And then you also have to take what they say based on who they work for. Um, are you hyping up someone on your own team or are you like, wow, we played against that guy and could not get him out or we could not get a hit off him. And when it's something like that, then I'm like, okay, that's probably something that's really legit and something I should take more to heart than so-and-so says their own guys are really good. And it's like, he might be, but I'm going to have to go double check that really quick. Cause of course you're going to say that you're not going to want to admit that you whiffed on a draft pick or something like that. Right. That's so true. That is interesting. Listen, we, we can talk about whiffs, you know, and, and who we've missed on. Who's someone that you've – that wasn't maybe the con, like a consensus, you know, top pick, consensus dude that you just nailed? You're like, this this is my guy right here. He's going to make yeah, it. Yeah, who, who is your sleeper? Yeah, who is your guy? Who, who's, who do you, like, talk about at Thanksgiving? You're like, yeah, I said this guy was going to be legit. Right. Ooh. And go back and think. Not trying to think on that. Um, is a big is a big name because uh, he was a college performer. But when I saw him in the fall league, I've been on uh, Keston Hira for a while. Um, My man, because not big a lot West. of power, but yeah, not a lot of power. But I was thinking like. You know, he doesn't strike out. He makes contact all the time. Like, this will this will play, especially as a second baseman, not someone that you're expecting at 40 homers. And then, um, obviously, he's a top 100 prospect now. But I first saw Marco Luciano, like, two years ago. And I was like, yeah, go. this kid's really good. Um, I think he'll be probably the guy. number one prospect in 2022. Um, yeah, he definitely has a chance to be number one overall on the list. And Obviously, he's a big name. He's a top, what do we have now? Top 10, top 20. He's a top list guy. But yeah, he's someone I saw like two years ago. And I'm like, this guy, this guy. I keep like every time I see his name pop up, like retweeting, looking at it. Yeah, exactly. He's. I remember the, the first time I saw him play, I had heard of him. Hadn't seen of him, wasn't sure like what was what. I like walk into the stadium like, the first pitch I see, he goes yard. And it was just one of those things that it was so loud off the bat that I'd like double check the roster because like his size and his wiry frame, like he didn't, I was like, I don't see that the wrong dude. Like this guy that's this scrawny didn't hit, didn't hit that ball that hard. And I got to double check the roster like 12 times. I'm like, Nope. Okay. That's him. Yeah. It's, wow. it's pretty absurd. Uh, the, the sound that it makes. And I mean, we saw with that one nineteen off the bat, little anecdote about Keston too. Like when we played him my last year of college, he came into the year hitting, I think it was 400, something a little over 400. He ended up leaving the series. Mm -hmm. I think he led the nation. It was like 450. We got him out twice. Um, Another prospect that, that generates a ton of buzz that no one's really seen either is uh, Jason Dominguez. How much have you seen of him and what, yeah, what can you tell us about him? Because other than this, the videos and the pictures of him looking like, you know, Jason Giambi, um, wh- what do we got on that? So I haven't seen it in person yet. It was someone, I forget who it was, someone on Twitter tweeted the other day, like once everything opens up and the minor league season starts, who is the prospect you're most excited to see in person? And he was, I couldn't narrow down to one, but he was definitely one that came to mind. Um everything I've seen, which is probably the stuff you've seen on social media and just like people I've talked to the reports and the hype, this is probably something we back to like your other question about how much this influence people like the hype on him is ridiculous. Um, so for someone that hasn't, for someone that hasn't done anything, um, like he hasn't even played in a ball. Uh, he's still only 18, but like he's getting, he's getting comparisons on his, on his athleticism, not on his baseball ability. I need to specify that. Right. Whereas people are comparing him to Bo Jackson, Mike Trout, and just 
if you take the baseball stuff out of that and just think about how athletic those guys are and like how built they are and to have an 18 year old that hasn't even played drawing those type of comparisons, it makes you get really excited and it makes you really, really curious. Yeah. I thought we were about to get a cross sport comparison there. I thought you were going to say like Aaron Donald or something like that. We were going to (laughs) just, Mix it up, Bo I Jackson, guess. Bo Jackson, sort of yeah, Bo board. Jackson, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. Well, look. Well, I want to thank you again for being on. I personally only have one question, one more question, and it's simply this: Looking at this MLB pipeline list, top 100 right now, and Wander Franco is the number one. Was he your number one? Yeah, he he was pretty much a consensus number one. Um, okay. I think one because he's he's so young, he's still nineteen. He's performed at every level he's he's been at uh, so far, and he's risen he's risen fast. So he's probably going to debut at nineteen or twenty. I'm not sure what month his birthday is, but um, so so he's going to debut young, and then obviously he's a shortstop, which helps. Um, you know, they get they get kind of shortstops and pitchers because of their impact on the game. Uh, so when you've got a 19 year old shortstop who does everything right, I mean, we gave him a perfect 80 grade hit tool at, at 19. So that's, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> high praise. I mean, how often is that thrown around? I believe right. he, I, he's our second ever 80 hitter. Who's the, so, who's the other one? Uh, Vlad, Jun- Vlad Jr. got the first. Of course. Of course. Of course. I'm just looking here at the list. I know I said last question, but oh, you're good. I'm just, I'm just interested in Adley Rushman and what it is. Obviously, I saw him at Oregon State. We all did, but we've seen plenty of players. I mean, Jackie Bradley has had a great career, but he was their three-hitter, and he's not a three-hitter anymore. We'll, 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 we'll say it like that. What he does defensively is – ridiculous but he is not a three hitter anymore Adley Rushman what is it about him and also as a comparison as you look at some of these catchers to come through go to college and then get drafted out of it of course you're going to think Joey Bart but even so as a Giants fan and as Giants fans is is he projected to be Buster Posey is he projected to be better that's who I always think of whenever I think it's probably not fair, but I, whenever I think of a college, a, a catcher that got drafted out of college and has some hype behind him, I think Buster. And to see Adley number two, it's 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 like wow, what what is it about this kid? I feel like that's probably a fair comparison if you're talking about just hype around time of draft. Obviously, mm-hmm. Buster's gone on and proved it, um, mm-hmm. so throwing that part of it might be a little unfair. But I think. What it is about Adley is that he's he's done it. Um, he's lived up to the hype. Like he was prior to his final year at Oregon State, people were saying, "Hey, he's going to be the number one pick," and that happens. You know that happens all the time. But he goes out and he performs all year while everyone's watching. Uh, he's mm-hmm. good offensively and defensively, especially with catchers. It's you want to see, you know, can they block? Can they call a game? Um, you know, there's a lot to it. Uh, there's a lot to it for catchers. So I think the fact that he was able to perform and, and that he did it at a program like Oregon state, which is a working with good pitchers, B you're probably going to Omaha. You've got a few national TV games. You've got a lot of scouts all the time. Um, I think, I think if you're doing it at, I don't know, insert any random school, yeah, numbers and performances are still good, but there is some weight when you're doing it at, at a school, A, in a major conference, and B, at a premier school in that major conference. Right. And the weather sucks. It's always raining. So it's like if you're hitting that's, home runs in the rain, you know. That's, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, true. that is. Um, what else I, do you got, Orlando? I just got one more question. Uh, this has actually been awesome, by the way. This, this shit, I, I could go on for a long time about <laughs> prospects. Um, who's someone that's in this top 100 that's down the list, um, that, that you think has just a, a real, real good shot at, at matching these dudes in the top five, top 10. Scrolling down. <laughs> so let's, yeah, let's say I almost want to outside, I almost the wanna just, 50, outside let's what? say 15 below. Yeah. 
Okay. I almost want to just pick any um, any Rays or Dodgers player because they do such a good job of <laughs> developing. Safe bet. Yeah. Very very. Yeah, my safe. God. Or someone Anyone that, that comes up. <laughs> right. Or give me Garrett Crotchet, like guy that just throws, you know, 108. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> When you pump triple digits that consistently, uh, that's usually a good idea. Um, let's, we'll see. I'm looking at, you guys are Bay Area people, looking at the lower 80s, couple Giants people, uh, Elliot Ramos, Hunter Bishop at 82 and 83. Um, I think, oh, Dane Dunning, Dane Dunning too at 91, um, I think could probably do well. I was not going to overpower you with a lot of stuff, but he showed, you know, last year in the little time he was up with the White Sox that he can pitch at this level. Um, but you look at back to like Ramos and Bishop, like I really like, I really like Ramos strikes out a lot, but a lot of young players do. Um, fixing your approach is something that's not, that, that's hard, but it's something that can be done, um, you know, as opposed to a flaw to his game where you're like, well, that's who he is. Uh, so I think if he's able to fix his approach, he could probably really develop into someone that that could contribute a lot to love at that level. And he's, and he's someone that in the Giants and that organization, there's going to be a big youth movement uh, coming soon. So I think I think having the opportunity helps helps Ramos and Bishop helps young outfielders. That's a lot of people love Ramos too in the, in the Giants system. Like he's he's been their favorite since he's really been in there. Um, I had a I had a Giants minor league coach a couple of years ago who uh, compared him to uh, Johannes Cespedes. I like that. I think I might have. Thank you. I think I might have seen that comparison. Yeah, I think I might have heard about that. That's. Uh, I mean. Shit, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take any sort of hope for the Giants, really. So any, <laughs> yeah, any, we, any good news is look. It's been a positive, been a positive uh, interview and show. We're we're not gonna <laughs> we can't darken it with the Giants, right? Yeah, now. essentially what William was saying, he wants to pick someone from the Dodgers. Is just saying, yeah, they're just gonna continue to churn out <laughs> right, right, dude after dude. It's it's <laughs> it's something else. It's something else, but. Will, I want to thank you again for joining us on the Long Ball Pod. Everybody listening, you can catch him, reporter, producer for MLB and MLB Pipeline. Everybody that's coming up the ranks, Will's got you covered. Be sure to give him a follow on Twitter at W-B-O-O-R. Will, thanks again. You are officially a friend of the show. We will definitely have you on once, you know, Ramos and our guys are in the bigs and we're, we're back. we're back on top of the mountain. We can't wait for that. Sounds good. I'll uh, see you for the uh, Marco Luciano debut. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.